Um, so this is Joyce. For those of you that are new to us and don't know Joyce, um, Joyce Gannon, she's um, been a part of this church since it began. Um, and she is a prayer warrior, pr prophetic. She's in the room my heart lifts. Um, so and then I'm sure I'm not the only one. And I'm just going to share this um, Bible first that back in April... I was reading, and I can't even tell where it's from because I've left that bit of it out, so I think it was a psalm. Anyway, I was reading the Bible one morning in my time with God, and I read this verse, and God said to me, that's Joyce. So I'm just going to read it before I pray for her. <laughs> and this is what the verse said. But if one loves God truly, that is with affectionate reverence, prompt obedience, and grateful recognition of his blessing, he is known by God, recognized as worthy of his intimacy and love and is owned by him. And I'd just like to testify as Joyce comes to bring this to us that that, that is what God says about Joyce, that she's one that um, does love him with affectionate reverence and she's always promptly obedient. Yeah, I'm stirred and challenged by that over and over, her prompt obedience. And she's always gratefully recognizing how much God has blessed her. She always acknowledges God in those things in her life. Therefore, God says that she's worthy of his intimacy. So we can know that what she brings us today is going to come from that place of intimacy with the Father and that she's worthy of his love and that she's owned by him. So, Father, thank you for your word um, over Joyce. And we stand to say we want to receive what you've given her today. Um, so, Lord, let her words speak clearly and effectively what you have placed in her heart. And let us as hearers hear what you want to say to us and, like her, be those that promptly obey what you speak to us. In the name of Jesus, amen. allowed to touch this thing okay yeah yeah when Olive sent me Olive sent me this um that scripture where it was really yeah it touched me blessed me as well um just to say that you know the spirit is one when um Roger was praying he was praying about God turning everything for our good and just that in, in, in the storm, he is Lord. And for us to know that, you know, we are strengthened by him. All those things that we get in the presence of God. I say, yes, God. So now I know I'm on the right track. So if you are taking notes or if you are online and you're taking notes as well. I don't know how to title messages, but this one is really easy for me. And if there's going to be any title, it's when God appears to be doing nothing. So the qualifying word there being appears to be doing nothing. When I don't know about you, there are times in our lives when I'm not, thank God this is a Bible teaching church, so I'm preaching, I'm not teaching. So I'm just going to give you, you know, what the Holy Spirit has given me. So this actually stems just um, about April or May, I just got out of hospital, just getting my strength back. And I was speaking to a friend, a prayer um, uh, partner on the phone, and then she, uh, first time, and she was doing something. She was knitting. And I said, when did you take up knitting? Because she's not the person. You, will you ever associate Kina with knitting? She was knitting. I said, why are you knitting? She said, ah, you have to wait and see. And I'm looking at it. I said, show me. She lifted it. She showed me. It just didn't make any sense to me what she was doing. And just as I was speaking to her, in my spirit, I heard that when the Lord appears to be doing nothing, 
he's making a tapestry. And I thought, what? And again, I said, I said, Kenan, this, I just heard God say, when he appears to be doing nothing, because I'm looking at her, she's talking to me, doing this is like, oh, what a waste of time. I don't even know what you're doing. So when God appears to be doing, doing nothing, he is weaving, putting together, knitting, creating that beautiful tapestry that you are, that I am. And something just left in my spirit. And isn't this just so that when we go through life, we go through difficulties, and in the storm, in the midst of the storm, we just sang that song that in the midst of the storm that he is Lord. And we know that he's called us to something. We know that he's called us. He's, we know there is a purpose, there is a plan. We've heard the prophecies. We've listened to the word. We've listened to the preaching. We've listened to the songs. And yet something in our lives just appear not to be moving. And then we ask God, God, where are you? Why is, why is my life as a standstill? Why am I always going through whatever it is that I'm going through? And as I just was listening and God was just really ministering to me, ministering to me, ministering to me. And when I got off the phone from Canaan, Mark just happened to ring, or I rang, I don't know, so one, one of the two things, or he rang to check up on me, because as I came out, he rang, rang often. And I said, this is just what God has been saying to me. And he said, Joyce, I just feel that is just a key word. Would you mind talking about it? And that's why I'm here today. So it's been a while, but since in the last three weeks, I've really been meditating on it. And so I'm going to give you just a background scripture because we like the scriptures. So, <clears throat> and when it appears that God is doing nothing, we always stand from a place of we know that God has a plan for our lives. Whether we've read it and God has ministered the word to us or we've been prophesied upon or we know just from the things that get us excited that God has a plan for us. So my founding scripture this morning is Jeremiah 29, 11. Jeremiah 29, 11 um, says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. So we stop there sometimes. That's where we stop because we know that he has a plan for us. We are excited about it and we should be excited. I need to put this. Um, and we should be excited about the plan that he has for us. We should be excited about the things that we know that God has called us to. We should be excited about the, um, you know, the purpose that we are here on earth. Because every single one of us, we are here for a reason. We are not here by accident. We are not just whether you are black, white, green, yellow, or blue. There is a reason you are that color. I am black and fiery Nigerian. That's who, what makes me who I am. And I make no apology for it. And so you are the way you are because there is a plan and a purpose for you. And we say all this way, we preach this scripture, we throw them all around, which is good. It's a good thing to confess these things. And then, yes, we find ourselves in a situation. We say, God, where is this plan that is good for my life? Where is the purpose? Where is that future that you said you have for me? I'm 40 years old or 30 years old or 20 years old and I have not seen anything good. You know, when you are going through certain situations, you forget all the good 
has happened. But you only see the things that have not come to pass. And as I was meditating on this tapestry, I wanted to send um, Jewel, I forgot, to send, um, you know, uh, an unfinished tapestry and a finished tapestry. And what I got from that um, tapestry is that when they, when they are um, doing, when they are weaving, if you look underneath, it's always very messy. It looks unfinished. You have threads and the silks, they're hanging out. And the, you're thinking, oh my God, what is this? Because if you, are not, um, if you are not a weaver or you didn't draw the pattern, you can't understand the process in the making. You look at it, it's unfinished. You can't, you can't tell. Just I was looking at Kina. I didn't know what she was knitting. I, couldn't, I, I didn't understand it. By the way, she was knitting for me. Now I know what it looks like. <laughs> and so God was showing me that he is the master weaver. And when, when you see the tapestry, when you see the making, the process of it, this one silk going through the other. Have you ever seen a black tapestry or a white tapestry or a gray tapestry? It's usually vibrant, full of colors, everything knitted together. And I know we don't like to hear what I'm about to say, but I will say it anyway. That you don't get to be finished. You don't get to be that perfect finished. None of us will be perfect anyway, but I'm just going to say you don't get to be perfect without going through certain things in your life. You don't get to be joyous without walking through the things that I have walked through. You don't get, I don't get to leave Nigeria to be in the UK. I've been here for God, what, over 30 years. But, you know, when I was seven years old, I went to a farm with my dad. And we were sitting under this big tree. My dad was very prophetic. And then, you know, we didn't see it as prophetic then. We just, I, we just knew that he, now I really appreciate him. I wished I knew the gift he had then. So we sat under this tree at seven years old. And he was uh, roasting corn on the cob in the farm. And we sat down, we were eating corn on the cob. And he said, you're not going to leave. He said, I see you among so many white people. So there's white people everywhere. And he said, and I see actually you're married to one. And, and I'm seven years old thinking, I've never seen a white person in my life. I mean, never. There was no television, so you can excuse me. Never seen one. So, but I knew they existed. You know? And so, that was then. It never occurred to me. I didn't, it wasn't in my radar. I didn't plan it. I didn't plan here. So, I just going to say that to say, when you look at, I'm going to go to the Bible stories, and we're going to take that Jeremiah 23, what you need to do, to actually make sure that that tapestry come together and then you become the beautiful person living the purpose that God has called you to live in. But growing up, things happened in my life. I was loved, I was a happy child growing up and then I started developing a mind of my own. And when you, are, um, when you grow up in an African home, you are supposed to be seen and not heard. Not usually not in a bad way, but that's just how it is. When adults are speaking, you're supposed to sit and listen and learn. That's how you train. That's where you are brought up. That's where you see most African children. They have wisdom beyond their years. 
because that's what you do. You just see, you listen to conversation. But when I went to secondary school, first thing I did without my parents' permission was change my name to Joyce. I wasn't born Joyce. I thought Mary was boring. So I went to school as Mary. I came back from the first term holiday as Joyce. Went to a newspaper and I changed my name. That was the first thing I did. And then I finished, fast forward, went to, um, um, to um, you know, further education. I met a Muslim guy. I thought he was the best thing since sliced bread. I brought him home. If they had just left me alone, maybe I wouldn't have gone far. But they said, no, you can't. It's not good for you. And if you tell me something is not good for me, I want to do it anyway. So because they said it wasn't good for me, I decided he was the best for me. So I married him, you know, and then within one year, so nobody actually came to the wedding. So it was just his parents. This is, this is God on the truth. I'm just telling you about when God is ordering your steps, you can make decisions. You can make mistakes. You can do everything that goes against anything that you know you should be doing, Right? But when that purpose, that plan, and that purpose of God in your life is sometimes it's not going to just happen straight away. It's not going to happen in a straightforward manner that things have to happen in your life that will take you to that place. And if we would just learn to embrace all of us, if we learn to embrace the circumstances that goes on in our lives, if we learn to embrace that man, that woman that sits next to you at work that you like to knock out, and you think that this, my patience is being developed. I'm just, my story is just, I'm going to show you stories of stories of people who had a prophecy in the Bible, but you know, when you look at them and you read their story, they are worth talking about today because we know how they ended up. But I guarantee you, when they were walking through it, they didn't know how they were going to end up. We have the benefit of the scripture. And so, fast forward, it didn't work out. I decided I was going to walk out of the marriage because I wasn't about to, you know, whatever. And so I did. And because I did that, I became a disgrace to my family because when I was growing up, we didn't know anybody who divorced. We were not friends with anybody who got divorced. It wasn't even, I'm not sure if it's in our constitution, actually. But I left. And because of that, I became a disgrace to my family. So I didn't, nobody called me Joyce. Nobody called me Mary. My name was Nuisance. God, this is, this is, this is true story. And so, as a nuisance, I was walking around, you know, like looking. I had, this time I had my, I had my son. I'm a grandmother, by the way. My son had his first um, daughter, 3rd of August, so I'm a grandmother. And so, and things started happening. And I am thinking now by this time, I've grown, I grew up, I, I'm working, I, I'm just cutting the story short. So I left um, the marriage. I'm now in the capital city, Lagos, like basically with family as large as mine, having homes everywhere. I was homeless because I couldn't go home because I was a disgrace. But I'm telling you, because I was the disgrace, I learned to go inward. I learned to listen to the inside of me. I don't know. I didn't know what it was. I wasn't a Christian. I learned to go inward. I learned to dip into something within me that I got answers from. 
It's difficult to, it's easy to explain to the people in this room because you understand how the Holy Spirit works. I'm telling you, Holy Spirit has been released to everyone. You know, we, I got, I was preaching before I ever got saved. A different story. My life is like one supernatural living life. So I, I learned to go inward. My intuitions became very sharp. I could sit next to somebody and I know whether they meant well or they didn't mean well. I, I became very sensitive to something that was within me. I'm talking about tapestry. I'm talking about how adversity shaped you. I'm talking about how difficulties that we don't want to embrace. How every of those things, they are the very fiber. God does not cause them in your life. God, does it, God didn't make bad decisions for me. God didn't tell me to not listen to my parents. God didn't tell me to walk out in my, okay, well, if he was here, I'm sure he actually would have asked me to work, but that's another story. But he didn't ask me to do all that. Those were my decisions. Those were, those were my choices. But I'm telling you, when God's plan, he said he has a plan for you. His plan is to give you a future and a hope. And God is not a man he does not lie. He cannot confess. He cannot change who he is. And God has a plan and a purpose for every single one of us, whether you ever come to profess Christ or not. True. I'm not preaching heresy. That's, that is the truth. But if you take the principles of God as a non-Christian and you apply it, it works for you. He causes the sun to shine on the righteous and the unrighteous alike. So out here is me in this place. I know I talk to a God that I don't know. I, I, I know that I know. I actually call him God that I pray. said, if you will help me out of this place that I am, I will serve you for the rest of my life. I didn't know what I was saying. I was just bargaining. But God took hold of it. And then I walked my journey through this that life. And then I found myself working in a company called Transmission Travel Agency. And so, and now in the midst of people who traveled all the time, going to this white man's land, right? Now, my attention, something is grabbing my attention. Suddenly, I could hear my dad's voice, who had been dead that time, for years. My dad died on my matriculation day. That was in 90, don't calculate my age. That was, in, <laughs> that was in 1983. My dad died. And so I started hearing his voice. You're going to live in the, you know, amongst the white people and you're going to marry one. So first of all, I started realizing I made the best decision, not staying in that marriage because he ain't white. <laughs> you know? So now I'm thinking, okay, how do I get to this place? So I go, I sell my tickets, I go to the um, company, I go to CEO, and I talk to them, and they buy tickets, you know, from my company. And then I went to this Lebanese um, firm. It was called Firearm Enterprise. He sold guns. That's another thing that you didn't know about me. I sold guns. I know how to shoot, so don't mess with me. <laughs> so so I, I went to sell him tickets. So when I got there, he had, um, he was talking to me, he said, you know, you are a good salesperson. Here's what I want you to do for me. I don't want to take you away from the company you work for. But while you are selling your ticket to this CEO, I want, them to, I want you to also sell them security. And so that was what I was doing. So I was earning my commission on the side. 
and then I was working for this recruitment um, for this um, travel agency. And then one day I said, you know, I heard that this travel, the company that I worked for was going to fold up. And I said, by this time that I, it's just a short time, I'm cutting it short. This time, I did actually even know that I was pregnant with my second daughter when I walked out of this center, so I, I didn't know. So I said to him, I said, Mr. Adele, I said, I really actually want to travel to England. He said, what do you want to go? I said, I don't know. I just want to go and see what the place is like. So he said, okay, I'll tell you what I'll do. I know you are not my permanent staff, but I'm going to help you get, you know, work the visa out. Not planned. Now I said, okay, so now this is possible. How am I going to get the ticket? The ticket is very expensive. Oh, actually, I do work for a, recruit, a, a travel agency. By the way, 1989, that's how I ended up here, by accident, just, you know, didn't plan it. So when you are going through a certain thing in your life, I don't know where you are right now. I don't know where you are in that journey. I don't know whether it's in your health. I don't know whether it's in your family situation. I don't know whether it's, it's a prophecy that somebody has given you. I don't know if it's ministry. And you have been waiting there and you're thinking, God, nothing is working out. I tried to start this business. It didn't work. I started to start this ministry. It didn't work. I started to start a family. It didn't work. I don't know what is going on. And then because of that, you resent everything that life is throwing at you. You don't get to be, you see, where I stand here today, this is not said to boast. I'm intuitive, number one. I told you I got that by learning to go inward, by learning to be my own best friend, by learning to say, you know, I know there is something that is greater than me, and I need to tap into it because I need help. I learn how to be, you know, independent that I could just make a decision saying, I want to be out of Nigeria, and that was it. I didn't care. I didn't know where it was leading me. That's independent. That is serving me to today. So all those tapestry that God, because this thing, when I was in this place, all these things were coming to me. And I said, Lord, what is it? Because I know you don't cause the bad things to happen in our lives. I need you to show me an example. I need you to show me. I need to see I need to have an example in the scriptures to see how this tapestry works. And the great, the first person that came to my, two people came to my, the first one was Joseph. And Joseph had a dream. He had this wonderful dream. His father, his brothers, everybody around him was going to bow to him. Did God give Joseph that dream? Would you all agree that God gave Joseph the dream? That God was showing Joseph that future, that hope. So God gave him that dream. And Joseph thought, you know what? I'm going to tell my brother, sir, you, are, you can be older than me, but Joseph is the last born, so I get him. I'm the youngest in my family. I get him, or I say, well, I'm going to show this older ones. One day, you're going to bow to me because the dream was plain. The meaning was plain. And so because of that, they got angry. They thought they got angry. They thought they hated Joseph. They thought that they were doing him, you know, they were going to get rid of him. But that tapestry, the master weaver, he had everything planned out. Because without them resenting Joseph, without them angry with him, without them not loving that Joseph was going to be this person that they were going to bow to, Joseph was not going to get to Egypt. He has to get there somehow. God in his providence would have done it, but Joseph would not have learned the lesson that he needed to learn. 
So they didn't like him. They threw him in the pit. They thought, you know, that was it. That would get it. So we will see what become of his dream. Isn't that just so? That when something is about to happen in your life, you know, sometimes we open our mouths to talk about everything that God is planning in our lives. We tell everybody those we need to tell and those that we don't need to tell. And then what happens? It doesn't happen because they say, well, when we do this, especially at work, you know, people, you sit next to the person who wants a promotion, same job as you, and you are telling them all your plans. They say, okay, well, I'm going to do this. Let's see what becomes of that dream. But I'm telling you, when we get to the part of scripture, when I tell you what that Jeremiah 29, 11 is actually saying, and you learn to tap into that, you learn to submit to the process. And Joseph was thrown in the pit, and then he went, he was sold into Egypt, where exactly God wanted him to be. All along, the dream, everything, God wanted Joseph there in that position. And then he got there. And then because of the, uh, God's anointing upon his life, he was attractive. And then Potiphar said, you know what? I don't want my husband. I want Joseph. And then again, Joseph thought, oh, finally I got to this place. And I'm just chilling. Now this is going to happen. But remember what he said. Because Joseph feared God, with the key ingredient in the whole thing, the master weaver, the one who has the plan, the one who has the, you know, the, the artwork for the tapestry. Joseph feared him. And so, what happened? He ran, she, she, she backstabbed him. Slander. Have you ever been slandered? And then you're thinking, this is so unfair, this is so unjust. This is not what, this is not true, and you're trying to defend yourself. You're trying to defend yourself. The enemy comes to accuse you, and you're thinking, it's so unfair. This is not right. And then because of that, you get angry. You get unforgiveness. You get bitterness. You get, you know, rather than saying, you know what? God, you are the one who avenged you. Avenge me. And then Joseph was thrown into prison. Why? Because there was a greater position that he needed to occupy. And before he could get to that position, Joseph needs to learn endurance. He needs to learn perseverance. He needs to even have a heart of compassion. He, need to, he needed, there are some things that needed to, he needed to be humbled like I needed to be humbled. So needed to be humbled. So Joseph was brought down. They humbled him. God humbled him. And then what did he do? While he's there, two people had a dream. They had a dream and he could interpret the dream. He told the interpretation belongs to the Lord. What did Joseph, what did happen? They went and they forgot all about him. Have you ever been forgotten? Have you ever been ignored? Have you ever been passed over? Have you ever been overlooked? I'm telling you, when people think they are setting you apart, they are setting you up to win. But how you react makes all the difference. He interpreted his dream. They are drained, and they forgot all about him. But when God was ready, one day, Pharaoh had a dream. Nobody could interpret that dream. See, your skills will make way for you. It doesn't matter how long, it, oh, if you get it, it doesn't matter how long it takes. Because God is never late. God is always on time. Not in your time. 
But God is always on time. When the time came, say, oh, by the way, when you threw me in the jail, I had a dream. And there was this little Hebrew boy, he interpreted the dream. So, oh, bring it out here. Just from that. And remember, it was the dream that got Joseph in trouble. Right? What got him out of jail? See, God created you exactly how you are for where you need to go and for what you need to do. You don't need to change yourself. You don't need to change to fit into a box. I can't fit in one anyway. So many people have tried. I, I, I don't have one. There's no sh I'm shapeless. So you can, you can put me into a in a box. I learned that earlier on, that if I was going to make it in this big country, I need to learn to be me. I need to learn not to be everything there because I can't be anybody else. I could never be Olive. I will make a very poor Olive. But I'm telling you, I can be the best Joyce I can ever be. And it is my Joyce that God wants. It is me that God wants to use to speak today. Today is not by accident. God created this day and he named it after me. And that gift that he puts in me is what that is needed right now for this minute. There are some of you in this room that you could only accept some of the things that I will tell you. You will not even take it from Mark or Roger or Olive. There are some things I will say to you that you will fly off, but Olive can say it to you or Roger can say it to you. And you, you understand what I'm saying? Be you. The same gift that God created you with, that plan that he had for you, that be written down. You have a book in heaven. Everything is written there that you need. You need you. So that same gift was what got him out of jail. Took him to exactly where he needed to be. So that God purposes for a nation. So I need you to know that what you carry is beyond you. If you think you have a plan and you have a purpose and it's to serve you, you need to go and think again whether that is from God. Because the gift of God is not for you. It's always bigger than you. So you have to learn to submit to that gift so that it can take you to serve others. If what you carry is not serving others, then you are not using it. So either it's your full potential or it's not from God to start off with. The people that will listen to me are not people that will listen to you. The people that will listen to you are not people that will listen to me. But God needs that gift. We need that gift. And so Joseph got out of prison and we know the rest of the story. The second person that I love, you can't be a prayer person and not love this guy. But he didn't always start that way. He started as a boy who was forgotten, who was ignored, who belonged to the sheepfold. Actually, belonging to the sheepfold is not, it's kind of cool, right? We are sheepfold. David was a little shepherd's boy. And at 15 years of age, David was anointed to be king. 15. God spoke to Samuel and said, go to Jesse, when you get there, so I need you because I've rejected Saul now, so I need David. So I need to anoint him a king at 15 years of age. What time are you? 
What have happened to them? What have they missed? And so David, and David was anointed king at 15. At 15 years of age, David thought, yeah, I'm going to be king. But you know, I love David. I, I don't know whether it didn't really mean a lot to him or him, but I knew he never forgot that he was supposed to be a king. That's number one then. See, if you don't know who you are, people will make you who they want you to be. You need to know the plan that God has for you within that plan. If you don't know it, you seek it out. But once you know it, there's a certain confidence that it gives you. It's unexplainable. You can't explain it. There's something on the inside of you that you could be, you know, it's like a 20-pound note. Somebody demonstrated this one. I can't even remember who threw the 20-pound notes on the floor, stepped on it, and everything. And he said, if I give you this 20-pound note, would you accept it? Because the 20, that 20-pound 20 note is still exact 20-pound note. It has the same value. So I don't know. I need to say that to somebody right now. I feel it in my spirit. I don't care what life is thrown at you. I don't care what you've even been told. I don't care how people have seen you. The value that you are, that pearl that you are, when God created you and he looked at you and said, oh, you are so good, that has never changed. People's words over your life has not changed who God has created you to be. Know your value and know your worth. Your value is Christ stretched out on the cross. You are worth it. If you were the only person alive, Christ would still have died just for you. So, yeah. So David was anointed at 15 years of age. And when you read the scripture in uh, Samuel chapter 16, that was when David was anointed. Chapter 17. And, and they were beginning to open the place up for him because David, while he was in the field, when God was really weaving that tapestry, he was tending his father's sheep. And then the bear would come. David said, I know, I know my God. I know I can face this bear. Listen, the, the first one he killed would not have been the, this is just me paraphrasing. So don't say I'm rewriting the scripture. This means I like to think about what would have happened. The very first time he saw a bear, I'm sure that wasn't the first time he just killed it. There were some practices. I'm sure there were times that he hid away and he washed it. And then one day something just happened with him. He said, listen, you can't come tormenting my sheep every day. I've got to do something. And then he learned to wrestle with the, the bear and kill the bear. He learned to wrestle with lion and he killed the lion, right? And then, so David, in chapter 17 now, the father sent him, said, go to your brothers. Go and see what they are doing in the field because they are doing all the important jobs. You he just go and check them out. He got there and he saw a giant mouthing off, you know, and he's really been insulting to his, his, you know, his countrymen. And David said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? I mean, who, who do you think you are? And I want you to know that that same spirit that was in David, we all can cultivate it. And then we can look every circumstances, every giant in your life, and you can look at it and say, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? 
And David went, and the words of David was what caught me in this tapestry woven thing. He said, when I was tending, when he went to Saul, he said, when I was tending my father's sheep, when the lion came, I fought it and I killed it. When the bear came, I caught it and I killed it. He said, and this, this uncircumcised, he is no different. If I can wrestle with the lion and kill it and wrestle with the bear, it's the same way. The same God, listen to the confidence of David, the same God who delivered those things to me in my hand, they are the same God that will deliver this guy into my hand. And what did David do? This is, brings me to another point. David was, they said, okay, well, let's give him a shot. And then his dad and his brother are praying to say, okay, now he's dead. Really, he's overdone it this time. And then they put on the armor, his, this huge armor. And it didn't fit David. David didn't need them. Why? Your armor has been specifically designed for you. And that armor, I'm sorry to say, it could be betrayer that is going to shape it. It could be um, some difficult situations. It could be lie told against you. It could be something that you've been struggling with. I don't know what it is. And God has used it and used it you know, to create this strong armor that nothing can penetrate. But if you want to take somebody else's, it's not going to work for you. It will weigh you down. And so David said, I don't need all these things because when I faced the bear and I faced it, I didn't need them. I know I have a special armor and that is God. His protection wrapped around me. And what did David do? He killed Goliath. You would have thought when he killed Goliath, yeah, everything is fine. What would you give this guy? David was celebrated. But look at chapter after chapter after chapter after chapter. You know, for time's sake, I'm not going to go through it. Chapter after chapter after chapter. David's life was just one of running away from Saul. And remember, David was the one that came to sing to Saul when he was going through one of his tormenting stage. David will sing to him, and he will, you know, regain his senses. And then he turned against David. And God brought Jonathan. And chapter after chapter after chapter after chapter. And it wasn't after until chapter 5 of 2 Samuel that eventually David was made the king of Israel. The king that he was anointed to be at 15 years of age. So what prophetic word have you received that you have been worrying over all this time? But when you see situations and you think it's not going to pass because if this was from God, it would have happened so easily. Are you going to allow God to use those things that the enemy meant for evil? To paint you a beautiful picture would you allow those delay that is, I don't know what, you know, you, you're trying to get something and, you know, like every time you think you're nearly there, something happened and it takes you about three, four years back. What is that thing in your life? What is that job promotion that you've been trying to get? Or you are a single woman, you're thinking, oh, I will never marry because, you know, look how old I am now. Or you are a guy, you think you'll never marry. Or you're looking for children, thinking, you know, I've had so many. I don't know what it is. 
But with you, I'm telling you, God that has that plan and that purpose for your life is the same God today. So let's keep reading down Jeremiah 29, 11. It says <clears throat> in verse 12, Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me. When you search for me with all your heart, I will be found by you, says the Lord, and I will bring you back from your captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I have driven you, says the Lord, and I will bring you, I will bring you to the place from which I cause you to be carried away captive. You know, when we read the first bit of that plan of God, the plan that he has for us, see, every time you are going through a situation in your life, it's an invitation. That whole Jeremiah 29, 11, yes, this is about the plan. It's about you seeking, believing, and trusting God. David would not have become king at the end of how many chapters? David has one thing. If you read all the Psalms, you see the lamenting, you know, that David, you see all he was always saying, God, how long they're going to kill me? You know, look at all this enemy from my left, from my side. What should I do? And in the middle, when you read every single Psalm, you get to the middle of it. God is talking back to David. And in the end, there's always praise. That God has done it. I'm telling you, I want to challenge you today that every single circumstance that you find yourself in, it's an invitation from God to say, seek me because I have the plan. Seek me because I know the plan. Seek me because I know the painting. I have the full picture. And when I look at the tapestry, in the end of the tapestry, when they flip it over, it's all those mess that they use, you know, to just tidy up the edges, tie the knot to make it secure, that it doesn't come apart. I'm telling you, if you will embrace all of you, if you don't want to separate the good from the bad, God does not make anything bad happen to you. Somebody, I was saying to somebody, giving them my testimony about being, having COVID, I've been in the coma. I mean, two weeks ago, I was called from the hospital. They said, we leave it to this time to follow up and to tell you exactly what you went through. I didn't even know I was paralyzed. Do you understand? I'm standing here. So I was telling this person about the story. And he said, oh my goodness, that was terrible. I said, best thing that has ever happened to me. And he went, what? I said, the best thing. I said, it wasn't the best thing that happened to my husband and my children, but, or my friends, or my church. But it was the best thing that happened to me. I learned a lot from being there. There are things that, you know, were spoken to me that I, I still can't say them, but I know one day I will. The things that I saw, the, how God took care of me, it was the best thing that's ever happened to me. Did God send me COVID? No. Did he use it for my good? Absolutely. So what is in your life that you want to get rid of? I dare you to seek God and believe God for it. And, and it's an invitation to say, come away with me. I took it. I said, you know, Joyce, I was really busy. Even during lockdown, I was busy because I was working from home. And then I would create my source for online. Then deliver to me. I was busy. I said, you know, I like to look at it this way. 
God wanted me for himself because he wanted my attention. And so when the enemy went going to them, he said, okay, like he did with Job. He said, okay, but, you know, she's not going to die, but do whatever you like. And I went, and I was in this place, wonderful, amazing, had this amazing experience. How many of you here have actually hung out with Michael? I have. How cool is that, Angel Michael, I mean? Like, I can't describe it, the lessons of warfare that I got. I read the scriptures. I didn't get that from it. So what is going on in your life right now? What situation are you struggling with? What is that thing? We are going to do prayer ministry because I really feel it strongly in my spirit that you think it's not going to go away or you have not had a breakthrough. God is extending an invitation. I know the plan I have for you is good. It's to give you a future for a hope. Will you come to me and let us reason this out together? Seek me. Believe me. David knew who he was. He was anointed. He, so he knew he was a king. But do you know you are, I mean, you, you are that? Do you know who you are? I mean, really, really know who you are? Because if you don't, you won't know how to seek for what is truly yours. So how do you find out who you are? By seeking him. By seeking his face. So that plan that he has for you is an invitation. I know the plan. He said, I know the plan. This is it's of good and not of evil. But what is of good? Because what, what is of good? What is the nitty gritty of it? What is your purpose of the, within that plan that he has for you? What do you have to do? What do you need to do? Where do you need to go? Who do you need to be with? What is that plan? He's giving you an invitation. He said, with that day, when you seek me, you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. So in that weaving, in that, when I'm looking at the overall picture, looking at this tapestry, every, every situation, every circumstance is whatever that happens in your life. God is weaving it, but if you don't know how to submit to the process, if you don't know how to yield to him, if you don't know how to seek him, if you don't know to seek him with all of your heart, all those things become hardship to you. But when you take all of them and you bottle them up and you go to God and say, okay, God, you are the one with this plan. You are the one who knows how to, you are the one who knows the design. You are the one who knows the painting. Then I tell you, Every single circumstances we bring that scripture to life that Roger played, prayed. He said he will cause everything, all things to work together for your good because you love him and you are the code according to his purpose. That's, that's what it is. That's how you survive difficulties. That's how you survive. You rejoice that what the enemy meant for evil, God will turn it for your good. He's promised it and he will bring it to pass. Amen? I wonder if Phil, I can't see Phil. Hey, Phil. Please, do you want to come?
everybody. Thank you. You know, life, I gave you my story, a bit, a little bit of my story, so that you can know. So when, how I became a Christian on the 26th of December, 1993. But before then, I, when I say I came to this country, and in order to stay in this country, you need, you need, if you know anything about immigration, you need your visa and all that. I didn't have any of those. I was just, you know, um, like everything I was doing before then, you know, if it's possible, I know somebody will find a way. I know that person is God. And in that process, I had a dream. And in the dream, um, this, this, the, now I know it's the Holy Spirit. I know how God speaks to me. Now, now I didn't know it was God. I used to say, there's this person that comes to me in the dream. <laughs> you know, now I know it's the Holy Spirit. And I had this dream. And in this dream, he said, I'm going to take you to a place for a month and two days. If you will obey me, if you will follow me, I will, I will give you your heart desire. I woke up. It was like jargon to me, you know. I said, where do I need to go for it? But I felt peace when I woke up. I used to work in Burgess then as a shop assistant. And I, I said, you know, I'm not going to be working Sundays anymore. Let me even start going to church. The first Sunday I decided not to go to church, immigration came to arrest me in my house. And I thought, this is why I don't believe in this Christian whatever. So now that I said I was going to go to church, I'm now arrested. Immigration arrested me, and they took me to, um, what's that place called now? A detention center. Anyway, let's, what's it called? Hammersworth Detention Center. And they took me into that place. I was locked up. I was about to be deported. By this time, when I came, I came here in September 89. I had my daughter came in March um, 1990. So when they came in the morning, it's like providence, how God arranged your life. I had met this um, lady, became, you know, my friend. She had, um, she had her own, she was a lawyer, a barrister. She had her own chamber. She just liked me. You know, I'm a likable person. And, <laughs> and so we became friends. Anyway, call long story short, I was arrested. I, she happened to call me that morning. You know, she took um, chemi, had chemi. And so they took me to, um, first of all, they held me in um, Edgeware Road, where, you know, only IRA was kept at the, that place in Edgeware Road police station. So, you know, I've done that as well. I'm telling you, my life is one supernatural story. So I was arrested, put into this detention center. And while I was in there, the first night I went there, I had a dream. And in the dream, this man told me, say, pick up your Bible. I picked up a Bible because even as a Nigerian, if you know you're not a Christian or not, you have your Bible, you always put under your pillow because you know there's something about it. So I had the Bible with me. And I opened the Bible, you know, from there, scripture after scripture. When I got there, I found out the pastor that was in there was released. And now suddenly they were looking at me. They said before the pastor went, they said there was a woman that God was bringing. She was going to come and pastor the church that was in the detention center. I didn't know anything about the church, less the little pastor in church. But I had a dream that first night. I said, tomorrow you are going to go, and then you are going to preach. Taught me the scripture. I got up. They came to call me. They were all looking up to me like, I'm thinking, I don't know anything. Say, well, so I stood up, and the power of God fell. I told them what I was told in the dream. That was my preaching. 
So I went on there, and exactly a month and two days, I was released from that detention center. I'm cutting it short, unconditionally. I have my stay in this country, I have my paper. Today I have my British passport, not because of anything. God gave it to me. Another supernatural story. People go through years. They spend thousands. I was betrayed by the solicitor that I engaged because I went to give him all this. He called the immigration. That's why they came to arrest me. But he thought he made me harm. You, are you getting this, what I'm saying? He thought he made me harm. And then I came out of that detention center on the 18th of December in 1993. And then on the 26th of December, I woke up. I didn't know what happened. I walked from Edgeware Road to Kensington Temple and stood upstairs and walked by foot. I didn't know how I got there. I found myself in the church. On the 26th, Colin Dye looked up in the balcony, read my story, how I've been in detention and everything. Today is your day of salvation. So I was preaching, doing everything. And then on the 26th, I gave my life to Christ. So my life was backward in the Christendom. I'm telling you, I don't know what you're I tell all these things to tell you. What God cannot do does not exist. God can do everything. And then I met, just before I went into detention, I met my white man that my dad said he saw that I was going to marry. We met briefly, and he said he couldn't get my face off his head. I hunted him until he found me. And then I married him. Again, I saw him in my dream. So I'm telling you the, all this. This is not just, I'm telling you about my story. I'm being open. You know, when you see Joyce, this is a bit of me. I am here today because I know a God. You know, I know a God who says he will do a thing and he will do it. God said he stretched forth his hand. Who can stop it? No one. And he said, who can decree a thing and it comes to pass when I, the Lord, have not decreed it? So I don't know whatever it is that has been decreed over your life and you are struggling with it. If you seek God, seek him with all of your heart, you find out about you got to know who you are. You got to know how he's called you. You got to know to whom he's called you. And today, let today be that day for you. Amen? So as the musician, come on, if you want to pray, want anybody to agree with you in prayer, one Olive, Roger, uh, Maggie, Phil is playing. <laughs> Please believe God. When you come to him, believe him to say, God, I believe that you can do in my life that which you have promised to do in my life. And teach me how to submit to the process. Teach me to submit to the process. Teach me to embrace everything. To know that you are going to cause them to work together for me. Because he's done it for me. I have stories after story after story after story about my life. And I'm just a girl who was born in a village along the path. The devil wanted to take me out before my mom even ever had me. In Africa, they have like a long hole, a deep hole. You know, and then they have locks across. That was the toilet outside the house. When she was having me, she did. She thought she wanted to go to the toilet. She went there, her legs across. She pushed, and I came out, and I was going to drop into that hole. She had to literally gather me up. She had me just outside it. From the humble beginning, that's who I am. And I'm here today. 
standing and talking to you. He loves you unconditionally. He so loves you. He cares for you. And when God has called you, He's called you for a purpose. He's called me for a purpose. And you need to submit to the process with Him. And let that be. Amen. Amen. Cool. So we're going to respond to that in a minute for us with worship, and you're going to pray for people. We're just going to close the online service right now. So thank you for those of you that have joined with us online. Um, if you want people to pray for you, and then again, contact Joyce or one of us um, from the service, and we'd be happy to sort of stand with you if you're online. Um, but we'd say goodbye to you now, um, and those of us that are left in the room will we'll engage with what God wants to do with us here without any worry about it being lost. Amen. Amen.